Welcome back to the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob. Today is Tuesday, December 28th, and this is episode 137 of the Pineapple Couch. If you like what you're listening to, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can follow on Spotify, but you can, you've always been able, folks, you've always been able to do five stars for Apple. Now we can do that for Spotify. So if you want to show the Pineapple Couch some love, go ahead and try that out. If you don't, that's fine, too. We'll just enjoy this episode today. Um, I'm going to be joined by Peter Gonzalez today. We're going to be talking all things nerd pop culture, essentially. We're going to start with the season finale of Hawkeye and take a look at how that series was. Then we are going to jump in to a little Star Wars talk before uh, the Book of Boba Fett premieres this week. And then we're going to jump into a little more Spider-Man No Way Home talk. So spoilers if you haven't seen it yet. As well as some Doctor Strange 2 leaks which we have heard about. I mean, not even leaks at this point. There's like trailers out and shit. So, um, and then we're going to finish off with the giving out awards for 2021, which was a weird year for many reasons. Um, but we got a lot of new Marvel characters and shows coming out. So we have a little like, uh, awards for 2021 that we'll do every year from now on, but I really like this. So man, that was a ramble. Peter, how are you doing? Doing great while you were um, doing your Marvel TED, your Pineapple Couch TED Talk situation. I made sure to give the Pineapple Couch five stars. It's super easy. Let's Spotify, go. boom, just five stars, just super. like that. I am doing great. Easy. I'm very excited for what this episode's going to be. We've got a lot to cover, but I mean, it's the end of the year, so what else? But I mean, we do have mm-hmm. something, we did have a pretty great moment yesterday that we can talk about. Yeah, we uh, we met up and we saw Spider-Man No Way Home together. It was fantastic. We went into the theater when it was like sunny outside and we came out in a torrential downpour, which is always great. Um, what? Let's Let me just start with this statement. I had an awesome time. People in movie theaters just, I mean, sometimes they make me lose my freaking mind. Like, I don't need you to explain to your friend two rows behind me every scene. And then I get the, like, we're clapping people, like, it's big, and, like, we're excited. But at a certain point, let me hear the damn movie. Right? It was quite interesting to be sitting next to you as this is happening, because I would just see your head turn in different directions to just give people these stares, which were warranted. They deserved these stares that he was giving them. And then there were some people that would, like, exit and enter the row behind us that would just, like, ram right through, and it's like... It was unreal. What's interesting to me was this is like this was the second weekend the movie was out, and we had a bunch mm-hmm. of people there that were like hadn't seen it yet. So that's interesting to me yeah. that people would wait to see it. Like I mean, because we're like on our multiple rewatch Good at this Lord. point, and it's yeah, and it's like oh okay, it's, it, you guys are fresh it, to this. P- P- Peter, it's crazy because like when we were walking out of that theater, I I overheard so many people who were talking about how much they loved it and how great it was. And they truly hadn't, like, they hadn't seen it yet. And so the fact that you're having packed theaters on a Monday at noon, two weeks after the movie comes out, basically, that's pretty, that's pretty incredible. This movie passed a billion dollars, which, shout out to that. Um, I mean, it's the only movie to ever do that in the pandemic. I also think that people need to stop saying that as much, because it's literally like, seven movies we're talking about here like we're acting like i don't know they're like oh my god 
first movie in the pandemic to make a billion dollars. It's like, okay, well, it's just been like the last year. They're treating it like it's been like the last 15 years. I don't know. Maybe it just feels like 15 years. But it kind of, um, yeah, no, I get that. And I do also want to say there was this great moment. I'm being sarcastic just in case I need to preface this in the theater mm-hmm. where there was essentially a toddler that decided Screaming. to sing, scream, laugh for the good portion of the movie up until. I, up until Mirror Dimension, the child basically was doing a running commentary of nothing. And the, the parent barely didn't take the child out of there until Mirror Dimension. But it's like, I get that you want to expose your children young to these things. But if your toddler doesn't know how to behave in a movie theater, maybe that's not the best call to bring them on a packed movie day to see Spider-Man No Way Out. Yeah, and I mean... It, it, yeah, p- people are just bad at parents. That's, I guess, what it comes down to. A little parenting <laughs> advice here to start the show today. Um, Peter, we'll get to a little more Spider Man No Way Home. Uh, we'll talk about like spoilers, obviously, later. So stay tuned for that. But let's jump into Hawkeye right now. Um, Hawkeye wrapped up its sixth episode. We had, um, pretty, we were both, I would say, very high on Hawkeye heading into the finale. We were enjoying it quite a bit. More so than it looked like everyone else was because there had been some negative discourse about this show. Um, and then this sixth episode happened and it was something. I don't. I still don't really know how I feel about it. And Peter, you made a good point before we started taping that this Hawkeye show, it feels like it came out like a month ago. Even though it was just last week, Spider-Man No Way Homes just kind of dominated our minds. So Peter, you had a rewatch of this last night. Let's go through this sixth episode and then talk about what we like, what we don't like from it, and the series overall. For sure. So totally right off the top of the bat, you know, we're introduced to, we're back to where we left off. Episode five, we're seeing this situation with Clint and Kate looking at the video that she got from Elena. And it's like very apparent now that Eleanor is mixed up with him. And yes, Kingpin, which is, it's interesting to see Kingpin in an MCU property in a type of sense, because it's almost as if you're seeing someone who, if you watch the Netflix series, was a big bad by all accounts of of everything. But now you're seeing someone who's post-blip, essentially, has lost their power. And that's the vibe I got, that like he blipped, came back, and he's still trying to like regroup himself into the situation. And here, and it's an interesting take on the villain. But just, and then to sort of see, you you expect Eleanor to be the bad guy also. And she's kind of a complicated villain type character. Yeah. Weird. But it's, but, we, but, uh, but now it's basically the mission is now shifted to Kate wants to save Eleanor from Kingpin. Mm hmm. And Eleanor is seemingly either, either doesn't want to like admit that she needs help or. I don't know. She doesn't doesn't want it. And I feel like she justified her motivations the entire way. Like, she never wavers from what she did. There's, like, no sense of, like, real remorse. It's more like, again, Mm -hmm. bad parenting. Maybe it was a good segue to start off with the bad parenting. But then we kind of move into more Kingpin interactions with Maya, which I think is another one of the things this show did so well, is that I'm actually excited for the Echo show now. I think the character of Maya was done really, really well can't speak yet and i think this episode really did that her interactions with kingpin where she's kind of like you know she doesn't trust him anymore 
all of that's been broken down over the course of six episodes, which is wild how much Marvel can do. So she's basically like, I'm going to take a break. Like, I'll see you later. And he's like, totally, go ahead. But then, obviously, he turns to Kazi and he's like, Mm-mm, "She's she knows now. She's out. What did you think of that yeah. kind of situation? So I... You, you made a great point about the way they used Maya in this series to set up Echo because personally, like I'm not familiar with the character of Echo from the comics at all. And honestly, that's kind of rare for the MCU and these characters. Usually I'm pretty like, I know them at least I've like have an understanding Echo. That's not the case. So it did accomplish her in the show. Like I am looking forward to that Echo series and I don't know if I would have been before, but one thing I will throw at you uh, is, are you more excited about the Echo series? Is it just kind of cut because of Kingpin? Because that's what I was grappling with through in my mind. It's like, yes, I did enjoy Maya in this Hawkeye show. I mean, I didn't like love it. I mean, I was like, yeah, this is good. It's not bad. But kind of like the Echo show feels like the Kingpin show to me. I, I can see where you're going with that. And I kind of think so too. I think they're, it's kind of even footed though for me. I feel like not enough I feel like each character gave me enough to want me to watch more without making me fully go all the way, like say like an Agatha type situation where I was like stoked for the character. More like both of them were like, gave me enough to like, okay, now I want to see where you go with this and kind of see where eventually we'll get Daredevil into the mix too. Mm -hmm. Because um, I feel like No Way Home sets him up for a place to start to come into these places as well. Yeah. um, Do you think that it could become a problem for the MCU and Disney going forward. I feel like in these shows in this state, it's a pretty good job of it, but like, listen, like think about all the things they're juggling, trying to set up for the future. You're trying to set up Kate Bishop, Yelena, Kingpin, Maya. So there's all this stuff that they do. And it's obviously to keep building this universe. But do you think at any point it's going to kind of like hurt them and the characters will suffer a little bit because they kind of were all thrown into this show, and I'm not saying it didn't work, but it was just like a lot of cooks in the kitchen, and we've seen this of how they just kind of want to give everyone a little so their next thing can happen. But it's like sometimes I want them to give it to me. I don't always want to be speculating of, man, I can't wait to see Kingpin in that show. I know it's the first time we're seeing him. I'm not saying this is the end of the world. It's just I think they're going to run into a problem if they keep using these shows as trying to set all these things up rather than giving us something crazy. Like in Loki, we got we got to meet Kang and it wasn't really a fight or anything, but it was cool. And that's the coolest thing we've got. Like and then the Wanda going like crazy as the Scarlet Witch. We haven't gotten anything truly like changing the MCU in these shows that is like you have to see it before a movie because I feel like they're trying to do so many things. Does that make sense? No, I, t- I totally see where you're coming from. And I think I-, I think it does make, to a big point, make sense. I feel like there is going to be a place where these shows kind of don't necessarily move things forward. But I feel like with this one, because specifically because it was Hawkeye, you have like the most grounded character. So you kind of are able to do a little bit more of that. Because if you strip it back, we already knew Yelena. We already knew Clint. So essentially the new stuff we're dealing with is Maya... Kate and Kingpin are the big three that were kind of dovetailing on where are they going to go? Because I feel mm-hmm. like if, you were, if you're were, if you a fan of the MCU, you're already familiar with Clint. You're familiar with Yelena, so you have them already. Maybe even familiar with Kingpin. I think that 
it can be interesting. I mean, you look at something like Eternals that could have also worked as a Disney Plus series as opposed to a film. So it's like, I think there will be growing pains as they continue to flesh this out in a way that's different than the way we did phase one through three. I think Hmm. we now have the Disney Plus and I think it will, there might be some ebbs and flows, but I think it'll be okay. I think Kevin Feige's got it. Got it yeah. under control. He's a, he's a pretty smart dude. I trust I trust in Kevin Feige. Um, Please invite us, Kevin Feige. Last, yeah, for the love of God. Last thing on Maya, though, because uh, you're asking me like what I thought of the scene. I do like the dynamic between her and Kingpin. Um, and they things obviously come to a head at the end of this episode between those two. But there is something very intriguing about having a Maya who is this silent girl who is fighting this loud giant man in kingpin who's such a character and is so loud and wearing the hawaiian suits is like a really good yin and yang that makes sense so that show will be cool no totally i think that's a great way to set up what is to come with that show because i feel like at the end when we get to the end of the episode reverse revisit that but obviously as Mm -hmm. the episode continues we have well, I think it's such a great moment where Clint tells her, Kate, that they basically need more arrows because they don't have enough to take on Tracksuit Mafia. And you get this great montage mm-hmm. that just, it reminded me of the Iron Man montages, you know, when he's recreating this suit, you know, shout out to the great Christmas awesome. movie. And yep, just, it was a great montage to kind of see and it's like, we're, I think that's interesting to see if we're going to see him show up in Ant-Man and the Wasp 3. Yeah, that would be really cool. Another thing that that Arrow scene reminded me of is uh, the scenes in the Amazing Spider-Man series where Andrew's making the web shooters in the web. It, it kind of like, I, I liked how they showed that side of Clint um, because, shit, I mean, he's been around the MCU for 12 years, but we're still learning things about him, which is very cool. And I think it is exactly 12 years because Thor came out in like 2010, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would make, that's very true. Another thing I really liked about this scene was it kind of ends with his exchange with Kate that kind of shows just how far the two of them have come, you know, like from when he mm-hmm. didn't want her at all involved. Excuse me. And then just, just like now here they are, they're going to go work together to go stop everybody and save Eleanor and Tracy Mafia. And I think what this episode does so well is that as all this is happening, if you've been watching the show, you know Yelena's out there. So you, there's that in the back mm-hmm. of your mind. You're like, how is that going to screw everything up? Because then we obviously get to the big Christmas party set piece, which felt like it felt like old school Marvel Avenger. And it's just the craziness of it all, having the LARPers there. And just it is such a different vibe than Loki or than Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or even WandaVision. Like each show has been its own Very specific different. vibe. And I appreciated that about this one because I didn't know that I missed this side of the MCU because I've been so fascinated with everything. And so, yes, yeah, so yeah. we get this great situation where, you know, Jack's out of jail because he's got his, and he's got his Jack. Because... Oh my God. I love that man. He was so freaking great in this show. Jack, I don't, I, I might correct this at a later time, but MVP of the Hawkeye show, Jack. Jack was fantastic. He killed me every scene. Thought he was hilarious. Loved his mustache. It was awesome. And then the one thing, really quickly, Peter, is how did we not predict that Jack would like get involved in the LARPing somehow? 
I know. I think like, that's, we were so focused on the other implications that, like, yeah. we, we tend to miss the, the detailed situation by going for the fences with these things. Uh-huh. And so I love how they brought that together. I just thought he was... I mean, sometimes the comedic relief in these superhero movies can be hit or miss. And especially a, a character like Jack, who's really kind of a joke in a way. He's not too serious at all. And I thought it was a huge hit. Like, I thought he was really funny. And, um, like, compare all... Like, I love Guardians of the Galaxy, too. But, let, um, like, compare Jack to Mantis. Jack's way more intriguing than Mantis. I yeah, know Mantis because, yeah. is probably a bigger character, but, like... Um, just I love Jack. Sorry for interrupting. I just love him so. No, much. and and I loved when when Clint saw him with the sword and he was like weird flex. Okay, like there's just such yeah. a Clint reaction to him, which I didn't realize how much like just Clint's whole vibe. I was like, I it's like I liked him. I missed. You don't oh, see that so when good. you watch the Avengers. Like he gets lost in the shuffle of everybody. And so, anyways, continuing with this whole situation, you know, got the Christmas party. Kazi wants to take her out, Eleanor out from a distance because Kingpin like set him up like that's what you're gonna do, but obviously that does not go well, and then things get chaotic at the party, which leads to I honestly was I we'll talk about the Elena hype in a second, but just I lived for this whole Elena Kate trying to get to Clint situation. The dynamic was clearly so setting up like a show for the two of them together. I think it's just such an an organic way of Clint and Natasha 2.0. Mm-hmm. the elevator when they're fighting and then Kate slaps Yelena who's literally a Black Widow assassin and just the reactions to it all are so well done I really enjoyed that situation where you go, you're right, and then again the way Marvel uses these set pieces where you've got this office building and you're making use of all of it, like you're going through the whole situation and they're trying to get to Clint and ultimately they don't necessarily, it kind of fizzles out as most things do. And Clint decides to go after Kazi. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, Clint ends up in the Christmas tree. Yeah, so like we can go through this final fight and then we'll get to over. Like, so basically, what happens is Clint ends up in the Christmas tree, Kate shoots him down. And so you get this great scene of Kate and Clint on the ice rink, basically taking out what seems like a thousand tracksuit mafias. Um, I'd just like to point out, and I enjoy this, and I'm not complaining. I mean, did what did they just like murder like a hundred people with arrows? It was fucking awesome, but they were just shooting people with arrows. I was like, oh shit, shrieking people also, doing? shrieking people to oh, that was fucked. Tiny little that was that was really good. I also it just we've seen so many archery things in um, you know Lord of the Rings, Hunger Games. Seems like that. But to see these two Game characters here. Yeah, yeah, that's a sidebar discussion for those of us that have not watched certain shows that certain people do not warrant. I will. I, but again, you know things that I don't know. And I think know things that you don't know. As yeah, evidence yeah, yesterday with the Black Cat casting, you had no idea who that was. Anyways. So what's her name? A- Anya Taylor-Joy? Yes. No idea who that was. You've never seen when the I Game When Gambit. you sent me the photo and I was like, oh, like acting, I had no idea still. I was like, oh, I, dude, I didn't know who the freaking, like, just, uh, that eternal lady, Salma Hayek or whatever. I have no idea who she was. This I is why it works. I have knowledge that you don't have. You have knowledge that I don't have. And they, I, I knew who Hank Pym and, like, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, isn't she? 
I know who they were. Those are like kind of like giant Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer, kind of yes. like giant superstars. So that's not too much. To... <laughs> so, anyways, we I know come who back Robert to the Junior is. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so. So basically, at the end of all this, Kate and Clint part ways after they t- managed to take to handle the Tracksuit Mafia, and Clint has it out with Yelena. It's a very mm-hmm. um, visceral battle, obviously, and I appreciate that. Even though Clint is an Avenger, he's seasoned person. He's pretty much not at Yelena's level because she is a Black Widow, and so they have a great fight situation that ultimately ends with Clint doing Natasha's whistle, and that is a jarring moment for Yelena. And I was okay with that. I wasn't like it wasn't a Martha. I have a problem with it situation you have a problem you don't or you did i didn't i didn't i just thought that it was a letdown it could have been a worse letdown oh we should mention that kate fought kingpin well i was going to go to them first but i was going to deal with this one (laughs) but yes kate does um well i don't i have have complaints it's just i I mean it's just disappointing that that the i remember going into our our episode before this and I specifically said to you, and again, I shouldn't be the end-all, be-all of opinions of Marvel. I'm actually, I should be, probably. But I said I don't want Yelena, that to be the final conflict. And it was. For the most part. It, I mean, yeah, but I feel like it's still open-ended enough. Because basically she departs and leaves <sighs> them, and they kind of like... But it's so... It, that being the thing that we're going to wrap up the series with, like, that being the big thing... Peter, like, and I know, like, neither of us, I would have bet $10 billion that Yelena doesn't kill Clint. Like, that's not surprising to me that she, like, forgave him. Like, that was obvious. Right? So that, like, ending with that is like, uh, like, have that be in the second to last episode. Though. I don't know. I think that's an interesting point. I think I'm curious to see how they were motivated to do that and how her reception of Yelena has Florence's perception as Yelena has impacted that as well to kind of see like do we really want how much how long do we want this character to be on this darker arc before we put them into the new Black Widow role so I feel like there's a lot of behind the scenes situations that kind of led to why this scene happened the way it happened to kind of kind of piece out Yelena from the series which leads us to Kate kind of fighting Kingpin I think it was a great way of showing how King... Yeah, I, he still was able to easily throw her around like no big deal yeah. until she makes use of the little coin thing, which I'm glad. I love the callbacks that Marvel does. You learn something early on, and then it comes mm. back in a very important, important part, like with the little flip thing, and she's able yeah. to... Supposedly, she thinks he's dead, but he's not, because why would he be dead? Yeah. And so anyways, Eleanor um, ends up in jail... And yeah, no remorse really whatsoever. Super, super horrible parenting. You know, if you're not going to be a good parent, Terrible. don't be a parent. Yeah. Um, a lot of people seem to have problems online with Kate being able to fight Kingpin. And while I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I would have much rather seen Clint versus Kingpin. Because that's I our Hawkeye. Like, hopefully. But because they were also building that up the whole time. The other thing, though, like people freaking out about this Kate Kingpin thing is like Kingpin is clearly not trying to kill her. 
This is not them saying Kate Bishop is stronger than Kingpin. The dude gets like hit by a car and is fine. He gets hit by like like you know what I mean? Like so like let's settle like, down. They're not saying annoyance is how he was dealing with it. He was like you're yeah. just an annoying kid to me. Like get away, like go away. Like he wasn't. And so I think that's I think people again you forget this is season one of Hawkeye, which I'm pretty sure has to have a season two the way it's set up. In the end, there's no way you can't, or even if it's season yeah. two, I, I it was too open ended without giving it with without not open ending enough for it not to have a season two. Yeah. So like in the final scenes, we get uh, um, Kate joins Clint for Christmas On the farm, and they bring the dog. Lucky the dog, which is a uh, great. And um, I just want to say, I saw one of the funniest tweets. Uh, about Kate, like, so about the end of this episode, and I just have to read it. It's from the Wonton Don, the king. He tweeted, Hawkeye is really the only man who can bring a smoking hot 22-year-old home to his wife and kids on Christmas and not have it blow up his marriage. I thought that was so funny. because <laughs> One of my friends pointed thinking. out something similar, like, that the entire time they're watching the show, they kept telling me, how is his wife okay that he's hanging out with Kate? Like, how is she not have an issue? And I was like, yeah, I don't think, I don't so think he's... Kate's, he's like the, is like Batman Robin yeah. dynamic. It was just like not. Yeah. I didn't yeah. think it was a but I guess some people did pick up on that. I just, I didn't have a problem with it because I think um, the thing you have to accept to like is Clint's looking at her like a child. It is not anything like that. So mm -hmm. I just think it's hilarious. Clint too. Like you have to just, yeah. Yeah. He just kind of does his thing. Um, so. We do get the um, the watch given back to to uh, what's what's her name? Laura. Laura Barton, Barton. and um, we it confirms that she was a like a a shield agent, Mockingbird. So I would assume they didn't just do that to never show us anything again. Especially because it is Linda Cardellini, you know, and it's like again a very high. No idea who actress. that is. You've never seen a Scooby Doo live action movie. I mean, are we acting like that won Oscars and I should, like, know that... No, but, that... like, it's like, a, it's like a cult classic movie. Scooby-Doo, live action. Yeah, I, I do. Who was she? Velma. Is that the orange one? Yes, the orange one. Mm -hmm. So I've seen Rob Blades online, you know, this could lead into... She's going to obviously show up either in Secret Invasion or Armor Wars. I feel like the possibilities are all up there for them to use this character going forward. Or even season two of this. Maybe she'll show up in Echo. Yeah, I, I would. I like that Secret Invasion call. I think that's probably the right call. Um, Which also leads us to the... to the. We have one final scene yeah. between Maya. Mm -hmm. Oh, but I guess I should point out, Maya does have an interaction with Kazi early in the, like, towards the end of the episode where... He still wants to kill her because that's the only life he's ever known. He's like fully in the tracksuit mafia. She gives him mm -hmm. a way out. She wants him to take the way out to come with her. He can't do it. He resu and results in him trying to kill her. He ends up stabbing himself. Very traditional comic book, you know, type death. And then later she mm -hmm. has it an interaction with Kingpin, and he's like, you know, oh, it wasn't me. Like we're still cool. Like no worries. And she's just like not having it. Obviously, because he's dead. Like everything that she's had as hers is dead and the F and basically their last interaction is she shoots kingpin point black and it pans up i will say 
Kingpin's not dead, but that's kind of annoying I that they he's did blind. that. It's the comics, though. He does. She does shoot him in the in the eye. Yeah, so it'll be, I don't want him to be fully blind. Like, give him like an eye patch. That'd be sick. Um, I, I, I just had. I didn't. I don't think it landed. The finale. I think it was a good show, but like all that talk about if they land this finale, like I was serious. If they landed that finale in a better way, or at least in my opinion, I had serious. Like I might have put in that as the best thing, the best show in the MCU. Now I can't put it above Loki or WandaVision. <laughs> so, okay, so finale-wise, I would rank this, I guess, finale-wise, second to Wanda. I would put it above the Loki finale for me because more got more happened. Visually, it was a better overall. No Kang! <clears throat> Kang? Okay, when you look at the entire episode, Kang was this portion, and then that was... The Kang reveal, even in a sense, did kind of not feel as... I don't think any of the shows have necessarily had a bang of a reveal. Like, I think Kang, the Kang reveal was kind of just, like, super casual. Just, like, you are the mm. Scarlet. Like, I feel like everything... They're not, they haven't been... Though, like you said, those massive yeah. William Bourne yeah. finales. So, as the whole finale, the sum of all its parts, I would rank this above Loki, but second to WandaVision, I feel like. Okay, okay. I can respect that. Um, looking back on this series overall, um, uh, I enjoyed it. I think it was it was really necessary for us to get that time with Clint, even though he's been around for so much. I am curious. Like, it, it's just kind of weird to me. I was thinking about it. Ever since Black Widow died in the MCU, it's like so many things have been built around just the idea of Natasha the last year. It's just ironic because they should have done this when she was alive in the MCU. And now it kind of felt like course correction so far this year. Yeah. So far this year, the black, the, the black widow movie and the Hawkeye show are essentially <clears throat> about now, which is a very Moving interesting take death. and seeing and the yeah. fact that and seeing where we go from here also, I think is interesting. I will say, how would you rank this that's in, true as of far as shows? Third, third, I would say. Uh, yeah, I would say Loki, WandaVision, this. So here's the way I rank it is because of rewatchability. I think I would rewatch this show maybe a little bit more than I rewatch WandaVision or Loki. I, I'm not the biggest rewatcher of WandaVision. I'm not honestly, I, I get this has rewatchability in terms of Christmas. Yeah, that, so I feel like that'll this is keep more, it around. That's a good point. Yeah, so you know, I think a solid, I think a solid ending to our MCU shows of 2021, our first experiment into this world. I just want to now see to your point earlier in the pod. I want to see where these shows take us into the future. We've got all these. I mean, oh, situation. Wanda's the only one they've got a pretty clear picture of where she's happening next. But I mean, Loki, yes, we've got the multiverses breaking, but it technically hasn't happened anywhere. Like, it hasn't, we haven't seen how that's affected anything yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, and then the rumors that, you know, they were added into Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, like they weren't originally part of it, is also kind of like, so then yeah, where do we go from point. there? But also yeah. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, that ending's kind of floating out there too, you know. And then this ending, it's like sucks. these things are all set up, but like, where do we go from here? 
Yeah, I I think that um, it'll be important if they want Disney Plus to work in these shows to like have the things they set up be something that happens down the line, not just references like Laura Barton. I don't want just a reference of that. Like if you're going to do that, show us something um, similar to kind of like Ned and Spider-Man. But that's a little spoiler. Sorry. Um, Boba Fett comes out tonight. Yes, it does. It comes out tonight at midnight. Um, not a lot is known about this show. They've done a pretty good job of keeping it pretty like locked tight. Uh, no leaks really at all. Um, all we really know about this show is essentially Boba Fett's like taking over for Jabba the Hutt as like a crime lord at Jabba's palace on Tatooine. Um, so I'm very excited for the show. I think it has, Peter, a, a lot of opportunities for some pretty cool cameos, like theoretically in the era like of Star Wars. Like it's a fun time. Theoretically, Han Solo could show up. I mean, you name it. Maybe Amelia Clark from the Han Solo show movie shows up. That woman. I don't know. Lots of uh, stuff to get into. We're not going to like deep dive Boba Fett before this because honestly, like we don't know that much about what the show is going to be. But we did want to touch on the topic of Star Wars just to kind of as we so you guys know. And so I know and Peter knows like what our takes on Star Wars are in terms of like the broad takes about it um that might not make sense because i'm explaining it poorly but you'll see as we talk about it um i'll start it off with this peter do you like episode seven eight and nine i think we alluded to this early early on when we started this podcasting journey but i actually do like seven eight nine i i don't i don't I don't see the hate. I don't. I I appreciate what Ryan Johnson brought to the brought to his movie that he did. I appreciate things that a lot of people don't appreciate. I also do dislike a lot of things about the final three. I can okay. I can say objectively, I could be in a, a Star Wars fan because I'm able to look at it similarly like I do with Marvel. I like what I like, but I'm not afraid to criticize things that don't work for me. Like if I don't like, I'm not going to be like. It's a perfect movie, start to finish. Like, no. And I mean... Mm-hmm. Or not, Star Wars isn't perfect. Star Wars has been has had its issues, its ups and downs, more so than Marvel has in recent years. Yeah, I feel Marvel's like Marvel's been on a right sturdier trajectory. And I feel like Star Wars is going through that rehabilitation stage. But I do like those three movies. Um, what is your I take? respect that. I hate them. I think they I suck. All that coming. I... I I remember when I watched The Force Awakens in the theaters, and I was like, are they really just remaking A New Hope? Like, it was just like, are they actually just making New Hope just a little differently? Um, and then I, I, I don't mind, like you mentioned Ryan Johnson in Last Jedi, like, I, I like the, for the opportunity for directors to take, like, big swings in movies and not just have to stick to the the corporate script, I guess. I just didn't like what they did with Luke. I just didn't like it. And I'm not the one of those people who like, there's people who like lose their minds about this online. It's like actually insane. The hate. For Star the Wars is a, is a touchy. Yeah, they're fucking insane people. I didn't like it, but at the end of the day, I still watch Star Wars stuff when it comes out. I mean, I don't even want it. The third one was such a clusterfuck. It was such a clusterfuck. I think to your point, though, I think something that since we're comparing this to Marvel is, 
and I think they, they, I think they wanted to make things ha- like you know inclusive with Star Wars, which honestly has the biggest opportunity to be. I mean, it's set in freaking space. Like, I mean, you have go yeah. for it, do whatever you want. But because it is such a very specific fandom type vibes, that they have to do it slower than even Marvel does, and they basically rushed it in the way that Marvel hasn't done, which is why it wasn't mm-hmm. well received in the first place. And then. You, like you said, you have the OGs and you don't stick the landings. I mean, granted, unfortunately, you know, Carrie Fisher passed away before she could have her landing in episode three, which kind of obviously affected things. But yeah, it's just like you, I think you said it best when you're like, these movies are basically four, five, and six all over again. Yeah. And as someone who loves four, five, and six, it's like, I want to see something a little different. Um, it is. I'm curious what you, you think about this. Um, one thing I've thought about quite a bit with Star Wars and why I like Mando is it's kind of like imagine if Marvel was obsessed with telling everything like about one character and everything under late. It's like the Skywalker saga. I get how important they are in the universe. I get it. <clears throat> Trust me. It's a fucking giant universe. I don't need everything to be about that. And um, I think that I don't think they needed to do anything else besides the six because I like I like the prequels and I love four, five and six. I think um, episode five is one of the best. Uh, I mean, Revenge, not Revenge of the Sith. Fuck. Empire Strikes Back is one of the best is one of the best movies like action movies ever. Um, so I, what's your take on uh the prequels though because I, I i like the prequels admittedly they have flaws but it's like my childhood so i like them you just stole the words right out of my mouth like i literally <laughs> i remember we re, we rented the vhs for the phantom menace like we rented it and we watched it at home i remember that we still have it because we never returned it because then vhs went out of the go. window we just never returned it so like and then i think it was two christmases ago i got the whole star wars collection on stuff and i watched the prequels again and they are, like you said, they're not perfect, but they hold up. One, two, and three are, one's a little slow, but I mean, two, two and three, like, you have such a great, I mean, you've got Liam Neeson in them, like, it, it's good. They're yeah. good vibes. They're a good. Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan is, he yes. is probably my favorite character in I'm all Star Wars. That, well, I think I'm excited for that. Very highly excited for Obi-Wan, just because if they nail it correctly, but that's the problem. It's like, you have Mandalorian, which is, which they nail, but it's not a ta- it doesn't have the baggage of any of the other stuff whereas Obi-Wan mm-hmm. does have that connection but also you know it, it'll be interesting to see where it goes I, but I do like the prequels now what about animated have you watched the animated stuff yeah i've watched um i haven't unlike the last season of rebels i haven't picked up in a while um and i've watched i've watched like basically all of it i i think the animated stuff is it's pretty good but sometimes it's like you could shorten this a bit and not just give me an episode that you're fighting droids on a random planet. That means nothing. Um, but I think there are some great arcs in those animated shows. And I think those animated shows are an example of like how you can make Star Wars really cool if you're not taking yourself so seriously. And, like, I don't know. I just think those shows do a great job because they don't need to, like, pay the actors a fuck ton like you would need to in live action. They do a great job of showing the universe. Admittedly, though, like, 
I don't know. The Spider-Man cartoons are all way better. Stuff like that. Like the, I like it, but it's not like fantastic. What about you? No, same. I'm, I mean, I remember <laughs> watching. I remember coming home from school and watching the Clone Wars and stuff. It was on TV. Like I have those. I think Star Wars just has like, similar to Marvel. I guess you, you know, you've got certain childhood memories attached to certain things, and I just feel like Star Wars hasn't has failed me where Marvel has not failed me. <laughs> So yeah, um, Kathleen. If we're comparing Kathleen Kennedy to Kevin Feige, it's a joke. She well, even the fact that the producer. I feel like Kevin Feige knows <clears throat> how to make sure that everything is still connected without him being like, you have to follow these rubrics. I mean, look at Eternals. He was like, do your thing. Here's what kind of needs to still flow, but do your thing as mm-hmm. the director. Whereas over here in Star Wars, it's like, yes, in the in the final three episodes, like yeah do whatever you want but actually you need to stick in these lanes and check these boxes but don't stray too far from the formula and obviously we see what works and what doesn't work yeah exactly um but i i in terms of this boba fett show i'm very excited i think it's gonna be really good i think we'll get some cool surprises in it star wars has been good about i mean shit luke skywalker fucking showed up in season two of mando talk about a disney plus show where they really throw something at you I mean, the Marvel shows, I love them, and I like Marvel more, but that was baller, getting Luke Skywalker. So hopefully we get something like that in Boba. Um, Before we move on to a little Spider-Man talk, who uh, is your favorite Star Wars character? I got to go with my childhood. I did it a couple years for Halloween. I got to go with Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi Wan, I will go. He's my number two. I would say Han Solo is probably my favorite. I think he's a good one. Yeah, does that surprise you? Probably not. It does not surprise. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. No. Um. Okay, Peter. <laughs> let's talk. Uh, Spider Man. So spoilers to everyone. Peter and I went. We went and saw it yesterday. Um. I want to talk because we did our. If you haven't heard it yet, you got to go listen what to the two-hour review we did on Spider-Man. It was an awesome show. One of my favorite pods we've ever done. Literally goes through. It's longer than the fucking movie. Goes through everything. Um, so what I want to talk about today is we can retouch on some scenes in the movie that stuck out to us maybe yesterday. But also what we didn't do last week is we didn't really talk about the implications going forward for Spider-Man and do some like theorizing. And I know we like doing that. So, um, Peter, the floor is yours. Uh, you can go in any direction you want with this. That's a very exciting. No, no direction, direction. Um, I'm going to go with, I think it's super interesting that what I noticed yesterday, because so we saw, like he said, we saw it yesterday, and I had actually just seen the movie not even 10 hours before, and the night before. Jeez. And, you know, and it's still, it feels so fresh every single time. Even though I know what's going to mm-hmm. happen, but it's also like I'm still surprised. What I think is so well done about this film, though, is that different moments hit you in different watches. Like, there's the scene when, spoiler warning, if you haven't watched it, like, what is wrong with you? If you haven't listened to the podcast, what is wrong with you? But, anyways, when we first have Peter One interact with Peter Two and Three on top of the school, and Andrew Garfield starts to say about how he lost Gwen, his MJ, that one got me more this last time than it had previously just that and reading and i think that it's it stood out to me more so how great of a job andrew does as spider-man like he just wasn't given the greatest films to do it in he wouldn't meaning no disrespect to tom holland oh yeah or toby Maguire. 
who were great in this movie and have, were great Spider-Men. Andrew Garfield in this movie ran circles around them. He <clears throat> completely stole the show. On rewatch, that is the, the one of the biggest things I noticed. Andrew Garfield was the most liked person in that movie, by far. And it was one hundred percent. And it was even the cheering you got. Very good. His reaction was the loudest too. Was like he, Mm. and just the fact because if you've seen his movies, you know when he has when he catches MJ here after he wasn't able to catch Gwen, it was it was such a perfect arc moment for him to see what what that character can do, and it's just yeah. I guess if to dovetail into theorizing, does this Spider-Man continue into the Venom Morbius situation? Because yeah. the way we currently have Venom and Morbius, I don't see them tonally jiving with the nope. direction of where we're going with Tom Holland's Spider-Man, with the new suit, the vibe. Like I genuinely see Tom Holland's Spider-Man going more so the. Mm-hmm. King, you know that route where he's in college. You know it's it's a diff, It's a much more. I can't. Well, what, I guess Hawkeye's a good tonal way to do it, where it's light, but it's still got the action. Stuff I mean, really, guess. honestly, like what the future of what I think of at least when I see the future of Tom Holland's Spider Man is, it's like Spider Man Two, Tobey Maguire Spider Man Two. He's there now. He's like at he's Spider Man. It's a three movie origin story. So he's on the police scanner and he's dealing with stuff similar to what Toby dealt with, like in Spider Man two, if that makes sense. Like that's what level he's at. That will be what the tone is. Um I do think that at some point he will like if I don't think he's gonna be in the Avengers ever again. But I do think, like, if a Thanos event like that happens, he's going to be there because it's just he's the he's the favorite character in the MCU. He's everyone's favorite character in the MCU. He's going to show up. They're not going to do these big movies and not have Spider-Man show up. Um, but I don't. It's kind of weird where he's at right now because. Everything that he kind of was involved in in the first three movies, he's not involved in anymore. Um, I think that's a really good point. And I think it also kind of speaks to, I don't think that Avengers 4, Avengers 5, 4. What is this? Is it 4? Is it 5? 5. Avengers 5 will look like what Avengers 1 through 4 have looked like. I think it will look very different. So I think the way that will integrate him will be very comic book like. I don't think it'll be cinematic like. I think it'll be more the route of comic books, the way he'll be introduced, the way he'll yeah. interact with people. Because Spider Man does exist in the MCU. He's just not, they just don't know yeah. his true identity. I fully expect um, the heroes I think Spider Man will interact with the most. I do think we'll see him with Daredevil again. Low level. I like that. I like that pairing quite a bit. I do think he will have some sort of him and Dr. Strange are going to meet again and talk. And it's going to, that will be, I think that will happen. I'm pretty sure about that. And then I'm going to double down. I don't think he's going to be in the Avengers at all because I think where we will see Spider-Man get involved is like fantastic four. 
in X Men. I think That's yes, what I want. but I also think that audience reaction, audience demand is going to warrant is going to motivate it to be put into where he shows up in Avengers type situations because I feel like we have to see him with. Um, Blanking, blanking. Interacting with um, Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel, and Captain America, new Captain America. I feel like that makes sense where he's interacting. Or do we see him, Young Avengers? But I feel like that would be a step backwards. Please don't put Peter Parker on the Young Avengers. That I think would piss that would me be... off so much. But also, okay. So I saw this thing online yesterday, which I guess speaks to this idea: is that. The Eternals are going to be showing up sporadically through different properties like Guardians of the Galaxy, like Thor Love and Thunder. So then do Eternals also bleed into Spider-Man situation? Do we see situations where they all interact? I hope not. Only one I want to see interact with Spider-Man if we have to is Black Knight. Um, I I don't. I, I, I think we should expect a movie or two that's essentially like what they set up in this movie my dog is just such an a-hole just barking and barking and barking um but they set this all like i think you're right he will be an avengers down the line i just very much see him solo at least the next like movie and a half like completely on his own um until like do i guess this is a question for both of us to you though like do we think <clears throat> The future of Tom Holland's Spider-Man, like I mentioned Doctor Strange, do you think he will tell anyone eventually? Like, do you think he'll ever get to talk to Ned again, MJ, and Happy specifically? So, I guess two, Doctor Strange Two-fold answer to that. I feel like this kind of leads into the Doctor Strange stuff to talk about, but I feel like if the theory is true that Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man shows up in Doctor Strange... Too. I feel like, in a sense, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man might say something that gets the wheels turning in Doctor Strange's mind about Peter Parker. Your reaction was exactly what I hoped. So he kind of tells him in his life. Oh my god. That's what god. I thought when I heard that he was going to be in it. Like, he's going to start to, like, and that starts the journey to sort of bring him back. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't see this, but Brian is just losing his mind. Toby. Right? Oh my god. They, they nail Andrew in No Way Home, and then Multiverse of Madness, directed by Sam Raimi. Toby gets our boy. Cause, yeah. Because there was... So here's, here's how. Oh, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Okay. So there's the spell that's done, right, that erases everyone's mind of Peter Parker. You might think off the top of your head, oh, that probably hit Toby and Andrew as well. It could. But what is one thing we noticed in this movie about the spider sense? So Toby can sense Peter, and they and Andrew can too. When Doctor Strange ejects Peter from his body, the spider sense thing is still working. I think even if Toby doesn't remember Peter Parker, maybe the spell did work. That spider sense that he has, he'll sense that Tom Holland is out there or something. Get, fuck, that is such a good idea to have Toby do it. If they don't do that, I, I, we riot. 
<laughs> oh my god, I am floored. Oh my because god. I feel like that's you know, the necessary closure. Strange didn't for tell him. anyone either. That's who should know. Because Strange will, because he know it'll all come back to him. He knows the sacrifice Peter did, and he'll probably at this point realize that. It was already fucked up, and it wasn't Peter's fault. They didn't really have to do this to him. And, um... Oh, my God. Which would bring us to Spider-Man 3. And so Strange, essentially, would maybe he help Peter get MJ to remember or something? I don't know, but the holy fuck. Toby to Strange, that blew my fucking... I am... Wow. Because I do know that... You know, we've talked about, and I think it makes sense. We've got... A clear vision plan that we think is going to happen, which we'll talk about in a second. But Toby has a, a, a lesser type vibe because I did hear also, you know, Toby did get a, a lot of money allegedly to come back, to be convinced to come back as Spider Man, whereas Andrew was more just like, let's go. So I feel like, yeah. in order, if you're going to bring Toby in, and okay, so Toby gets also stabbed in No Way Home, and he's like, you know, in a, in a stab that very much sounds like you're dead. But it's like, no, you're not dead. Because, allegedly, Kevin Feige was like, nah, I like the way these guys work together. Let's maybe and keep Toby it Secret Wars. It. So, I, I think, think Toby that... and Andrew got an experience of what it's like to be under a good director in Kevin Feige. And they're like, holy shit, this isn't hell. They're not director, you know what I mean? Like, I, I yeah, can no, imagine yes. that their Spider-Man experiences, by the end of it, they're like, holy fuck, at this incompetence, this is just annoying, I'm getting hate. And now they come into the MCU where the technology is better, so they probably don't have to go in as much. You have it all so well run by Kevin Feige. You get paid a fuck ton, and everyone worships you. And I think to that point, though, I think what people kind of forget, though, is when Marvel approaches people for these projects, as we've heard in almost all the interviews... They present to you, this is where your arc is. This is what it looks like. This is what the projects look like. I mean, Sama Hayek said it in Eternals, and she leaked it, where she was like, yeah, they talked to me about what it would look like going forward. And it's like, so every, everyone knows. Marvel doesn't just come and say, hi, here's your one shot and done. It's like, here's what could potentially happen. So, oh, Toby's going to save Peter. Oh, my God. I can't get rid, rid of that notion that you do. I'm like, my mind is still just, that's what's going to happen. Give me that. Give me that. Let Doctor Strange know, and then give Peter a movie where MJ and them don't know, but eventually he, Doctor Strange helps him. Holy shit, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I yes, don't, yes, I don't yes, think you yes, tease yes. Doctor Strange and Peter having that good rapport back and forth just to abandon it and never to bring it back again. So I think Yeah, he was, Doctor Strange about to cry. And it was like, that was, a, you saw growth on we, his side, so it's like... Holy shit. Yeah. I am... Yeah. Wow. I am so in on that. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 3. Let's go to that. I mean, we talked about great Andrews in this. I think it's gonna happen. Do you think he shows up in Venom 3? I fucking hope not. I don't want... (laughs) I don't want Andrew to get a taste of how great it is to be a good Spider-Man and then think he's back and then get sent to Venom and we all shit on him again. Not saying that we would shit on him. I don't. I wouldn't touch that Venom franchise with a a hundred football. They're probably going to do something though. But why would you Venom three? You fucking amazing Spider Man three, and because he does say I want to fight an alien. So which so, leads to 
so you're right. I just don't like that version of Venom. But I mean, Andrew Garfield can certainly he'll be great. But then we're just running into a problem like the Amazing Spider-Man Two, where the villain sucked and Andrew was great, and it just was an F movie. So it's it's curious to see then where they will put him because there are allegedly, you know, Jamie Foxx having an Electro movie. Um, that's one of the projects in the pipeline, which I kind of feel like we did the character already, and he's kind of it's kind of closed ended. Like sure. Again, so it's which okay, maybe this is my brain working too hard, but theoretically, everyone in the world forgot that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, but Peter, but the villains still came into the universe. And P- Spider-Man still fought these villains, and everyone's aware that they fought these villains. No. Yeah, that's not Peter and Parker. I, yeah, and I am confused. I the one thing I didn't get about the movie was like, so you're gonna cure him and send him back. So does that change Aren't the ending? Just all gonna die. I, like it doesn't matter if Norman's not the Goblin anymore. He was about to get stabbed with a glider. Doesn't matter that Doc Ock had a change of heart. He was drowning. Right. So I wonder. So are now they change the endings though. I guess that's where it gets confusing. Um, yeah. But the future looks hopefully bright, and hopefully we'll see the three of them together in Secret Wars. Yeah, I, I would count on that. There's no I, way that they're not going to do this again. And I think the Russo brothers doing Secret Wars with these three Spider-Man yes. would just be a culmination. I will say, going back to this movie, because nothing just came to me, the scene when they all get their shit together and they're going to go fight all three villains and like one by one, when they, they're swinging, they're jumping and swinging, and at one point they swing off of others' webs was one of the coolest mm-hmm. things to see. I would have loved to see more yeah. of them. That's just my opinion. That was, that, that was very good. Um, uh, one last thing that stood out to me watching it was uh, how heartbreaking it is to see like obviously when Aunt May dies, Tom Holland puts on a, an amazing performance. But Happy showing up, the last interaction that they ever remember of each other is Happy telling Peter to run because Happy loves Peter. And that cannot be overlooked because I think what they did in the first two Spider-Men is in the first one, Happy, he's only dealing with Peter because he loves Tony. The second one, it's kind of like he's kind of helping Peter out because he wants to date Aunt May. And so I thought that moment when he's like getting arrested on the car and he's yelling Peter to run. I mean, that was like a, a very big moment for the two of them. And sat, and it's so sad that it's maybe their last of when Happy knows who he is. They obviously talk later in the movie, but um, that stood out to me. John Favreau, I'm just glad they didn't kill him. He's so fucking awesome. He's just an and amazing think- person every single way. I love him. I think you said it perfectly about his arc. And I think what's curious to me, because we are talking about future of these characters, so I feel like he's set up quite well for his future, which will be bled into Daredevil in a sense, because you know he's told, May tells him you need a really good lawyer. And then we get the scene where it's gonna be an armor wars too, right? catches the brick and it's like, I, I think that would be a logical step for where we see his character next and a very organic way of doing it like, Here's where your character goes. And then I guess on a final note for what else is to come, allegedly we're seeing a live action Spider-Gwen being pushed with the studio wanting Emma Stone to reprise her role as Gwen Stacy. So then do we get a Spider-Gwen interacts with Andrew Garfield's amazing Spider-Man? That's the route I would go. That's the route I would go. That's smart. I'd rather see that than Venom. (laughs) 
Venom is just, it's hard. Venom so bad. The, Venom 2 is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. It might have been the I worst. I sat there and I was like, is this over yet? Is it over yet? Like, I don't understand yeah. why. Well, it's not, it's like, I get, it's like it was like, they wanted to make Venom Deadpool and it's like, you can't mm. do it that way. You can't replicate things just to make them work because it doesn't work. Yeah. That's my... Very right. Um, We've talked a little bit about Doctor Strange. Any other parts of the leak we want to get into before we do our end of the year uh, uh, list thing? Because the Toby and Andrew thing was the thing I think we wanted to talk about in Doctor Strange. There's rumors about like how Clea is going to be in it and some As other stuff. Christine Palmer. Yeah, which I think is all cool, but we sh- we're going to wait to really deep dive Doctor Strange until we're closer to the movie. Um, totally. Are you done with that? Oh, yeah. And I think, again, I guess one thing that is important to remind people is that the trailer is literally like Infinity War was. I think Infinity War is the template. No, sorry. Endgame. Endgame trailer is the template for what these trailers are, where you get a section of the movie and there's like a shit ton that's not even going to be addressed in the trailer. Because obviously a big rumor for this movie is that Wanda's going to lose it. And Wanda is going to have a very hard time... Trying to get it back together. Make and... her go full evil. Do it. That's what I want. Do it. Which, I guess, on that note, brings to question if we're looking here at Spider-Man No Way Home being a should-be strong contender for Best Picture. Tom Holland's portrayal should be definitely in the conversation Best yeah, actor. they should. You know what? I mean, by far he should be. Not only because I love Spider-Man, and because I would love to see all the little film wieners get pissed off about a superhero movie and Spider-Man being nominated, and they'd be like, "Oh no, it's not a movie." I'd be like, "Suck it, Spider-Man, sweet." That's what I want. And I think that to that note, where Elizabeth Olsen was nominated, you know, for Emmys for Wandavision, but obviously not awarded because the industry, God forbid, they reward a superhero show. Her portrayal as Wanda in Multiverse of Madness will be a strong contender for Best Actress. You can't deny that now. If you've seen what she did in WandaVision, oh, yeah. you know if she goes full villain deep end, she's worthy of the accolades. So I think the biggest reason as to why this picture would be in the content, No Way Home will be an Oscar contender, maybe even Oscar winners because of what it did at the box office. None of those indie yeah. movies that you know are super cool and just like i love indie like no like film critic stuff revived a box office you can't tell me spencer or other movies that i have the french dispatch or things like that things no like idea what you're talking common, about the, not, the, the regular viewing audience hasn't heard of revived the box office this movie obliterated the box office and you can't deny and it's quality filmmaking i love that that Willem Dafoe is like look at the cast of this movie Jesus it's it's perfect and I think you know when Tom Holland talked about how people that don't like think Marvel movies are good movies they either haven't directed one or haven't been a part of one because you don't know what goes into these movies these are phenomenal the acted movies strip away all the stuff the performances are on another level it's just the artsy fartsy people the sticks up their ass that we're dealing with. So fuck them. Um, let's go through our awards. What? I did a drum roll. 
Oh, nice, nice. Sorry. Um, end of the year Marvel Awards. We're gonna go through this uh, decently quick, not too quick, but we can get into it. Uh, Peter, I, you can start. Um, the first category we're gonna talk about is best actor. I mean, I gotta give it to Tom Holland. I gotta anchoring No Way Home, bringing home the the movie and delivering not only closing one chapter but starting another one in a span of a little over two hours. I gotta give it to him. Yeah, I think Tom is great. Um, I will go with a different Tom. Go Tom Hiddleston. I thought the performance he put on in Loki with the different variations of himself, um, the way he, we, he showed emotion in this, like how he felt bad for Loki. I just think he really he captivated me in that Loki show. So I will go with Tom Hiddleston there. Um, I know we have the we have the same one for the next one. It's best actress. It's Elizabeth Olsen. It's not close, right? Yeah, yeah, no one comes close to giving us the stages of grief over the course of a TV show and effectively shifting out of Wanda to different sitcom level performances and archetypes. It's it's this not even she truly was the re, was the perfect way to start off the Disney Plus experience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, best hero. So what this means is, like, what hero in, in the MCU do you think had, like, the best year? I think it's Tom Holland. I, I'm going with Tom Holland. And um, they, there can be repeats on this because there's only so many things we can choose from. I would give it to um, Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker Spider-Man. I think his re- triumph arc of reminding people why he's such a badass at his character is that Peter Parker showing like that's a cool Peter Parker. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, best villain is our next category, and um, this one was pretty easy for me because not only was he the best villain of this year, I think he's the best villain in the history of the MCU. Willem Dafoe, holy fuck, he was so goddamn good, especially without the helmet. He's getting punched and he's laughing. Unbelievable performance by Willem Dafoe. I think we did. We spent like a good chunk of time in our Spider-Man deep dive, which most of you should check out if you haven't checked out yet. Discussing yeah, William Defoe's Spider-Man villain of the Green Goblin, and yes, agreement. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, okay. This this is uh, we we've already talked about this one. So best show, you have WandaVision and I have Loki. I was gonna say Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh, shut up! No, you weren't. Um, best supporting character. In a show. I will start it off. Oh, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. It's between two guys. But I'm going to go with my guy Mobius. Owen Wilson was fantastic in Loki. I really enjoyed him. I, I, I love my guy Jack. Jack was close. But I feel like Mobius was just more important. So I'll, I'll go with Mobius as best supporting character in the show. You know, I also had a t- tough time splitting between two. But I got to go with. Yelena. I think Yelena brought a very necessary... In Hawkeye. Wow. In Hawkeye. A, 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 a balance that it needed. It needed that levity of from the, the mac and cheese situation, the utensils. I feel like she brought it a little bit more than my other pick would have been. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. This one's going to be easy. Best movie? Eternal. Black Widow. No. No way home. <laughs> easy. 
Um, best supporting character in a movie. Ooh, that is a good one. I have mine. I would say I would give it to Yelena in Black Widow. I think she saved the movie for me. I would give it to Zendaya in Spider-Man No Way Home. It was is she a supporting May. character, though? Is my, so that's yeah, my struggle anyone with that that's one. not Spi- Anyone that's not Spider-Man is a supporting character, in my Okay, opinion. fine. Then, okay, I give it to her also. I just didn't know if we qualified her as a... Well, I mean, like, wouldn't Yelena be okay, the main okay, character okay, the same way? Okay, so I switched my vote to Zendaya. I forget, yeah, okay. Zendaya as well. I mean, hello. The, techn- just... the technicalities, folks. Um... Well, it was the best moment in the in any MCU property this year. I'll start. I think it's got to be the line in No Way Home when Peter starts saying, or Tom Holland's Peter says, uh, with great power. And then uh, Andrew and Toby chime in, comes with great responsibility, and they tell him that Uncle Ben said that the day he died... Maybe May didn't. Maybe May didn't die in vain. That scene, I think that was the best moment. That was fucking awesome. I think No Way Home is going to become our new endgame, where we're like, this cannot be included in the conversation because this dominates the entire conversation. Because yeah. if we're, because obviously, I think for me, it was seeing Andrew jump out of the portal. I think, yeah, or seeing the three Spider Man stick the superhero landing right before they took off to fly. Was- I think. I, you know, there's just something that it does to you at your soul where it's just like there's this joy that it brings you to see them. But if we're not counting Spider-Man, then I would give it to Wanda becoming the Scarlet Witch. Okay, and if we're not doing Spider-Man, I would give it to uh, something that you called lackluster earlier today. The reveal of Kang. I, I thought that was coming. sick. I thought that was so sick. Um, actually, I don't know. I the best moment might have been when we learned about the flag smashers. Carly, old Carly Morgenthau was fantastic. Shut up! That wasn't from the only from that show. The best moment probably would have been being validated that Sharon was the power broker. I was very happy there. Looking back on that show, I think the best moment is John Walker just taking out that dude with the Captain America shield. What's <laughs> up? We have to do like a, a a year later watch the Falcon and the Winter Soldier again yeah, and be like, we should. We don't even get through one episode. Anyways, best won't. rumor. Ooh. So this one's tough. Um, I will... Um, okay. Best rumor? I mean, actually, this is obvious. It was Mephisto. The Mephisto WandaVision, when everyone thought Mephisto was showing up at some point, and he was there, the devil in the details... I mean, it kind of, like, tortured the fan base when it didn't come true. Everyone got so mad. But, I mean, it was the biggest rumor of the year, right? Yeah, I think The Scientist was a close second. You know, Reed Richards. Oh, my God. That was so dumb. Oh, my God. Why did they do that? I don't know. I think things, I think the pen, I think we can blame the pandemic for that one. Anyways. Okay. Biggest surprise. Honestly, I got to go with this when we when when the when Wanda and Vision are in the argument, there's a knock at the door. She goes to the door and there's Evan Peters. That's a good one. 
That's a very, very good one. Biggest surprise for me, um, shit. It's like we're saying surprise, like we had no idea it was coming, right? Yeah. Um, fuck. I mean, I'll go. I mean, I could go Daredevil showing up in Spider Man, but other than Spider Man, uh, biggest surprise, maybe as lame as it sounds, Laura Barton, like being Mockingbird. I thought that was pretty cool. I was also surprised how great or how much I liked, uh, Sylvie and Loki thought she That's was uh, she was fantastic and I didn't know how that was going to work because I love Tom Hilson so much um okay next one we got is biggest disappointment maybe we're on the same page like Flag Smashers Captain Falcon and the Winter Soldier that was a giant disappointment um, I was gonna say Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and that's and that and it hurt because I had that was the one I had the most hope for because I knew them the best. I wanted them to be so yeah. good, and then we got that disaster of a situation. That I'll go with Eternals. I mean, Eternals sucked. <laughs> I'm I, sorry. I have no com- I have no comment here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> other than I was I was disappointed by Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, I mean, anyways, I guess actually it is Falcon and the Winter Soldier over Eternals because I had at least, I mean, Eternals going into it, I didn't have the no highest expectations because they're random characters. This is the Winter Soldier in a new Captain America, and it sucked. So, yeah, that is definitely like the best parts of Falcon and the Winter Soldier were Zemo, the Dormelage, and oh, Sharon. Zemo that was, was the best for me, those three things. I guess Zemo Val was, was fantastic. Pretty good but yeah, the whole show as a whole, the show failed. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. I would agree. Uh, Rookie of the year. So a newcomer in a TV show or a movie this year. I know what your answer is. Kate Bishop. What? Not Yelena. I've already given too much to Yelena. And I feel like Kate. So here's the problem because I, let me, let me preface why. Yeah. Because I am a, digester of pop culture i was aware of who Haley steinfield was i knew you know pitch perfect i knew she was there um she was in that yes wow. the transformer bumblebee movie i knew her from that i knew her from her singing career as well i knew who Haley's <laughs> after the podcast so i knew who she was i didn't know what she was gonna do for mcu she came in with tom holland energy and sold Kate Bishop in a way that I didn't know I needed to be a stand for for a Hawkeye series, Kate Bishop. So Kate Bishop, because I already knew that Florence Pugh was a great actress. So I wasn't, you know, it wasn't rookie. So I got to yeah. give it to Kate Bishop. Let me guess. Okay, I respect that. Um, I would go my boy Mobius. I yeah. loved Owen Wilson, bringing him into Loki, bringing him into the MCU. Um, I, I maybe not as big of a character as a Yelena or Kate. Um, so I mean, I might throw Jack into the conversation. I love that guy. Um, but yeah, that's what I would, I would go with one of those two. Um, Peter, what Marvel character do you think stock rose the most this year? Wanda. I think Wanda dominated the conversation. Oh yeah. I think That's Wanda's eclipsed Doctor Strange's. The, the hype for Doctor Strange 2 is n- more so because of Wanda. I think 
because the movie, there is such a right. giant gap between Doctor Strange 1 and Doctor Strange 2, his movie, his, like, yes, it was dope to see him again be reminded, like, he's a cool superhero, like, he's rad. But the hype for that movie has been multiplied because of what Elizabeth Olsen was able to do with Wanda, who we only had seen glimmers of, who we did like her, you know, in Endgame, she almost took out Thanos. And then it was Thanos, like, yeah. no. And so now it's like, so Wanda. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Um, what's what Marvel character's stock you think went down the most this year, Peter? Who t- who had just like a, well, <laughs> I could give a, I mean, people fucking hate Shuri now. I'll tell you that, but that's that didn't come out this year. Uh, I'm gonna Shuri. say Winter oh, Soldier she... and Captain America. Yeah, I they... I think that's what it is too. The fact that Hawkeye has got has received a better reception than they did. That I'm more high for more Hawkeye than I am for more Winter Soldier or even more Captain America is a statement that I would not be saying at the end of, but I didn't think I'd be saying at the end of 2021, but here I am making that statement. Yep. Yeah. So I, I will agree with you on that. Um, give me a bold prediction for 2022 in the MCU. I'll start. I, you have one? Okay. Give me the Fantastic Four. They're coming. We will see Reed Richards in Multiverse of Madness, and we will have the beginnings of the Fantastic Four. We will know about the Fantastic Four in a year from now, and we'll be waiting on a movie. The Fantastic Four are on their way. We're going to see Reed Richards. We're going to see at least two Fantastic Four people in pro- properties this year. I think my that's a that's a great prediction. How do I follow that one up? I think we're going to see a further restructuring of what our expectations are for the Avengers and the MCU as a whole. I think it's going to look less like it did in Phase One through Three. I think it's going to look more like it did at, in Phase Four. I think we're gonna. I think it's I'm sorry. Pick phase up. Yeah, I think it's just going to be more more going on. We've got 60 projects yeah. that are happening. So, yeah, I think it's just going to be, we'll be off and further, diff- very different than what it was before. Yeah, okay. Um, What's your biggest wish for the MCU in 2022? I want to see Fantastic Four. I want to see Wanda go nuclear. I want to see... Um, Less rumors, more truth. <laughs> I yeah. want to see. I want to see a fantastic. I want to see Fantastic Four get announced with a cast that I'm stoked about. I want to see. I want to see Jennifer Lawrence, Sandra Bullock, Taylor Joy join the MCU. That's my hope for 2022. Wow, I like that. Um, I have two. I yes. would like. Michael Fassbender to be cast as Magneto. I really want that in the MCU. I really want that. The other thing in this, I've, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but I actually think I, I really want this, and this might be a controversial thing. We need to recast T'Challa. We need to. I We need to. You can't just take him out. He's too big of a character. It is tragic what happened to Chadwick Boseman. But if you look online about what Chadwick Boseman's family said and Chadwick Boseman said before he died, he 
definitely wanted them to recast. And I just think it's a weird situation. Obviously, a lot of stuff going on in Black Panther 2 with rewrites and everything. I think you need to recast T'Challa because I think you're doing a giant disservice to not only the like Black Panther character, but just the whole thing of Wakanda. It just makes it kind of like, like uh, hollow. If you don't have T'Challa, I think he's that important of a character. He is on the level of the Steve Rogers. I, I don't like him as much as like those guys, but he is on that level. He is that important of a character, especially if you're introducing Namor. Recast T'Challa. It needs to be done. To that point, I think if there was ever a better vehicle to do it in, it would be Multiverse of Madness. As we saw how they did, they showed it. Um, Black Widow in in yeah. What If as this as a variant. So why not do it that way? Do a do a variant of T'Challa. Do some in a sense you can do it in a way that works story wise. I think maybe that's why the reasons were have part of the reason why the in that movie. I'm surprised if that was used as a way change in that portrayal. Yeah, yeah, I'm completely on board with you there. Um, very good pod today. I had a great time. Um, about 80 minutes in now. Peter, you got anything um, else you want to bring up before we wrap up today's show? We'll be back next week to talk um, Boba Fett, episode one. And eventually we need wild. to start doing Stranger Things episodes. Oh, yeah, that's coming up. That is coming up. <laughs> we have a lot of stuff on deck, and I just, I did some research to double-check that, so we we just this year has been so many episodes whereas you know we started off with one i looked back on august 28th we 2020 we did a one-off episode of captain america the first avenger and here we are Mm -hmm. a year and a half later just talking about these wild theories that who knew would have happened and so i'm stoked for what 2022 is 30 episodes later um yeah, uh, I am excited. Twenty twenty two is going to be. Let's let's make twenty twenty two our year. Let's kick some ass, Kevin Feige. Uh, if you're listening, recast T'Challa. Give me Michael Fassbender, and please, please have Toby remind Strange of who Peter Parker is because that. I mean, we're talking theory of the year. You won that award right there, Peter. There you go. <laughs> Dope. Unreal. Um, all right. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening. This has been episode 137. Uh, have a great rest of your year. I hope you had a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, uh, Happy New Year. That's coming up this weekend. Be safe, be smart, you know, have a good time. And God bless. Uh, Peter, we'll see you next time. Sounds good. Just tell me what you want me to be. I can be anything for me Begging me to change my mind But I'm walking the line Oh, and does it feel good Burning down your neighborhood Don't stop me now I'm wrapped up and ready Tell me what you want me to be.
begging me to change my mind But I'm walking the line Does it feel good Burning down your neighborhood Don't stop me now I'm racked up and ready to roll And does it feel good Burning down your neighborhood Don't stop me now I'm racked up and ready to roll Tell me what you want me to be I can be anything you need Begging me to change my mind But I'm walking the line Rita, Mark Wassmer, and George Truly. Happy New Year.